Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Stripped Raw. Today, I'm here with Cobes. Yes, sir. I'm here with Matt. Yep. And we are graciously uh, here with Matt's younger son. Chance. 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 There we go, Chance. It's pretty cool. Chance got a pretty good dynamic. Matt has made some beautiful children. He's had they some, look like me. That's yeah, why. Very sexy. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> we ain't made it, but... What, a minute and 30 seconds in? Man, yeah, word I dropped. haven't said anything. <laughs> yeah. That was one ask that, uh, that Chance had. Please don't have my dad say the word sexy. So naturally, Please. we're going to say sexy. Please. All right, so Matt, give us a rundown of your kids. So I have a daughter that's 24 now. Makes me feel old saying it. She's a you are old. nurse. I am old. She's <laughs> a, a nurse doing her thing. And then I have twin boys that are 20. Twins, uh, yeah, two pretty for awesome one package. Two for one, yeah. Bet you that was expensive. Bet you it's still expensive. It's still expensive. It's still expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> All right, so Chance, you're twenty. Yes, sir. Already hit me with the Syracuse. Yeah, I know. That's uh, the respect. That's know? the respect thing. Matt raised good children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're about to find out. Let's tear it open. <laughs> Give us a rundown of yourself, Chance. Um, twenty. Um, I like to think that, you know, I'm a nice person. I like to treat people the way that I want to be treated. I mean, I just had the classic growing up with, like, a twin and everything. You know, if I had something red, Kyle had something blue. Um, Only one sibling in the house. so Or two siblings in the house, actually, growing up. Uh, Me and my sister and and Kyle. But uh, high school... Um, just a breeze. Played one sport uh, throughout it all, so it was never like a two-way, so it was never that hard. Struggled a little bit senior year. Uh, went through some, some crazy things that I, I didn't know that I was capable of going through, and I beat it. And got into the adult world kind of quick in a way. I was kind of thrown a job uh, because I was running around with a chicken with my head cut off. I didn't know what to do. And now I'm kind of basically here. That's about it. Word. I think it was the same way with us. Because what? We joined the military. When I was really young. I was 17. You were 17? I had to get a waiver. I was 18. <clears throat> so yeah. we kind of the same boat as you're in, I would yeah. say. Chicken with our heads cut off. What's the first brash thing you do? You can sign here and you can ship me away and I can yeah, absolutely. make a little bit of money. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go see the world. Get out of Maryland. Yeah, yeah that's one. Of the, yeah. That's yeah. what I heard you say to your dad earlier. And they shipped yeah. us to Little Rock, Arkansas. Yeah, we went to Little Rock, <laughs> Arkansas. Freedom, baby. Nah, I don't know about freedom. But yeah, we're in the same boat. I imagine a lot of people are, too. Yeah. Let's go back, though, because I think the basis of this uh, this episode that we're doing is where your generation is uh, mentally. Mentally? It's we're about to tear it open. We're gonna yeah, get pretty vulnerable. I, I would say it's kind of like a gray gray area in a sense. I mean, some of it is a little bit normalized. You know, there's people on, and I don't know if this is more of like a female kind of th- uh, thing. In my eyes, in my sense, growing up uh, for me, uh, like females going to therapists, and and I think that kind of ties apart into the masculinity side of things, like where men, in the sense of like going through like depression or anxiety or those things, they don't speak up because they think it's like a hurt to the character or 
it like tarnishes their name or they're not as this big strong guy as they need to be or they want to be. But I think in my generation, in a sense, it was more of like a female side of things where that it was more normalized on that side compared to men. But my generation, uh, very, very deep into social media, the likes, the followers, the uh, lots of TikTok, just the immediate satisfaction and the dopamine, uh, especially like TikTok, you scroll for two seconds, you don't like it. There's another video and another one and another one. And a lot of instant one. gratification. Yeah, instant gratification. That's what it should be. There's not, um, not really working for it. You know, like the only thing that like, uh, I can think of like, you know, when your phone dies and it's on the charger, you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs, not knowing what to do in a sense. But yeah, I mean, gen- generations all over the place. So when, when did that start for you? Was that like when you got to high school or? or in what like, sense? As far as like when uh, social media started to like take over for you. you know? I honestly, I want to say, because I remember like going on Instagram. I want to say it started in like, honestly, as young as middle school in okay. the sense of like with the Instagram and then like the iMovie and like you can right. do like all the filters and stuff yeah, yeah, and yeah. Snapchat and such. Yeah, I want to say like middle school. middle school, not early middle school, but definitely a little bit later. How many years ago was that? Um, You're not that old, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just a, it's hard to think about. Like eight years, maybe? Eight years? You're 20? Yeah. yeah. Middle okay. school, 12? Yeah, yeah. eight yeah. years ago. But yeah. I think I think it also plays a part in the sense of, like, which what the parents are allowing. Like, yeah. I didn't I don't think I had a phone until my freshman year. Yeah. And I had an iPod before that. So it's like, yo, bro, what's the Wi-Fi password? You know, because I got an iPod. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can't do anything. Yeah. You can only send like eye messages and stuff like that, but I definitely think it's on the parents' extent on when people had a phone or what social media or how in depth they are mm-hmm. in their children's phones, in the sense because you know there's a lot. You definitely had that phone in middle school because I got that <laughs> call that day from the principal at Plum Point. That was an iPod. That was an iPod. Okay, whatever it was. And he had the Wi-Fi passcode. That's yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely an iPod. But the one thing I'll say with my sons, they played baseball, so they mm-hmm. were always outside. They were always doing other Active, things. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think activity is huge. Yep. Where I see a lot of kids these days, they just play video games. They don't go outside. All their friends are virtual mm-hmm. versus where, at least with them having sports, and it's sports is not the end all be all, but they had something yeah. to do with not having that in their yeah, phone. Absolutely. The whole time. Yeah. So the phone, that's what I'm hearing here. Tear it down the phone. And there was a, there was a stat that I read that we put into the, uh, the you matter program. Uh, psychologists have found a direct link between depression and screen time. So, I mean, the evidence is there. It's there for sure. I see it in, uh, I mean, so we got different age groups in here right now. We've got 30s. Uh, Matt, you're 60. <laughs> I'm a Gen Xer, not a boomer. Gen X. Okay. But I mean, even uh, being around, I mean, your kid, my kid, Cobes, yeah. younger, below digits, the screen time, I could see a complete difference in the kid. And he's still at that beautiful age where he's tr- still transparent, pretty organic. I'm still his best friend. He doesn't hate me yet, but... <laughs> Where he's at right now, more screen time, I could see this kid, he gets more mute. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot more mute. And he may be in another environment because I got split custody. 
um, where he gets to watch more TV or play more video games. And I can completely tell the difference. So one of the Gen Z books that I read that actually talked about Gen Z is, you know, from a Gen Xer to even you as a millennial, like you guys just started having those phones. This generation is growing up with the iPads, like little, little kids before preschool Mm. to having a phone all the time. So everything is thrown at them, thrust at them. So school shootings, uh, Ukraine, Israel, Gaza, Palestine, all that shit that's going on right now in the world is instantaneously in their hands. Yeah. And we didn't grow up that way. So for me, looking at him or his brother or sister, like, man, you guys had it made because I pretty much tried to provide them with everything they ever needed. Yeah. Well, do you think in a way it doesn't allow a kid in today's world to actually grow up and be a kid? Does that make sense? It it certainly does. And I think the definition for what I look at as a child because of my childhood, yeah. like it was you played till the streetlights came on mm-hmm. where they called you in for dinner. Like you went outside all day. Yeah. I drank out the water hose. Yeah. That was right. what we did. Mm. They're a lot different in... Your kids are coming up in this. And it'll be a lot different when they get to chances. We were talking about that before you guys came over. How much more different. And it doesn't matter. Cobra put it. I mean, a lot of it is, uh, I'm going to say it. Man, I just thought about it. I think it was four four years ago, five years ago. Cobra, you were down at uh, Washington, D.C. And it was the Kite Festival. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were out there with the little one. And I remember, like, I took a picture of him with this kid. And, of course, the boy was at a really early age. So. Five, I guess. Yeah. Five, yeah. yeah. Same age, a little bit younger than, than Miho. But it was like, man, you as a dad, awesome. It's like you're the type of role model that I wanted to emulate in order to be for my kid. Mm-hmm. So it's like even today saying this to you, I'm so proud to see where you're at. But even earlier when you said, uh, and it took a lot of ego for, you know, just call it for what it is. When you said the kids are going to grow up and I'm not going to, it's, this is my first time doing this. Yeah. I don't have all the answers. Right. And as the kids go on and it's the same thing that I could tell you chance, like he's not going to have all the answers, but if you know, like they're striving. Like, yeah. I actually uh, saw something the other day is on social media. It said, uh, don't be so hard on your parents. This is their first time living life too. Mm-hmm. And it just, it kind of hit me in a different way because it's like, man, you know, all those times you're upset at your parents, you know, they didn't have the answer or they couldn't do this or that. It's like they're experiencing life for the first time too. There is no, you know, maybe it's a little easier on him, you know, with my sister, you know, that was the first child that he went through. But in the sense of like having two twin boys, like, of course, one of us was a mistake or an accident, you know, like you're not going to go through <laughs> or and both. deal with. <laughs> That's a perspective right there. <laughs> well, yeah. Or both. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. That's but crazy. Yeah. It's like your parents are experiencing life too. So, like, yeah. even if it is something new, and especially with the phones and stuff like that, it's almost as if you both are you both are experiencing it for the first time. It's not mm-hmm. like there's, like, this backed-up history and all these things and all mm-hmm. stuff like that. Because, like, what you pointed out earlier with the depression and screen time, that is just coming out. So, it's, like, kids early on, or even as my sister's age, like, the screen time back then. I don't even think screen time back then was tracked on, like, Probably a not. BlackBerry or whatever the phones were. 
you know, ancient times or whatever, but in the sense of you don't ancient see mm-hmm. those things, like, you would never be able to tell until now because, like, the iPhone and how much technology actually is around nowadays is actually absurd. Yeah. If you were to take, let's say, responsibility for yourself, which you're going to learn as you go through life, and you say, okay, it's this phone. So this phone is causing this stuff to happen. Um, if you were to take the phone out of the picture, which that's where a lot of my healing happened, is the first time that Cobra and I, we went on that road trip from Fallon, Nevada, and in, what was it, 24 hours? 24 hours, we drove 18 straight. We ripped all the way through California. We broke a lot of rules. I know you're the boss, but broke a lot of rules. <laughs> and we drove nonstop. And the coolest thing about being in the situation, that situation for sure is, I had no cell phone access. So no, there's no messages. There's no, there's no instant gratification. Yeah. And we had conversation again, like we did when we were 18. Mm-hmm. And I think nowadays, you know, it's, we still have the phone, but it's uh, holding ourselves responsible. You're not going to be on it as much because it, the algorithm is the algorithm for a reason. It's Absolutely. learning us. Yeah, it's going to tell. It's going to show you exactly what you want to see as soon as. It's like McDonald's. McDonald's, man. I don't know if we'll get canceled by calling these people out, but hey, <laughs> right? It is what it is. But man. it is what it is. McDonald's. They pump their smell up in the sky, right? So when you go yeah. to pass that, you smell it. You know. So it's like they know what triggers a person. They know how to get you in, so it's like it's up to you to uh, to hold yourself accountable. The hardest part, because I think right now, the holding ourselves accountable. I did air, air bunnies, you know, holding ourselves accountable right now. I think what it looks like is I'm gonna get off this phone for X amount of time, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like a like a diet, like a crash diet. You say, well, I'm not gonna eat, I'm not gonna eat any carbs for it, but it only lasts for so long. Yeah. And then you get right back to it, and then it's probably worse than what it was before. So it's yep. like, what is the actual fix for this? Because technology is not going anywhere. Just because you decide to put your phone down, guess what's going to happen tomorrow? You're going to need technology. True. So you're going to have to learn how to adapt in this world, but also not let it consume you. And I think that's where we're struggling. Well, why do you think? So we're still on topic of the phone. Why do you think? Why do you think you get on the phone as much as you do through social media? I mean. The obvious reason is for, you know, self-gratification or validation yep. or whatever it is, you know. Uh, regarding the phone, I think there's multiple things you can uh, use it for in the sense of, like, say screen time's like eight hours. What mm. are you doing in that eight hours on that sense? Like, I think there can be good screen time for things that you're doing and toxic, toxic screen time in the sense of, like, oh, I spent an hour on the phone, but, you know, 15 minutes of that, you know, I was catching up with my grandfather, you know, I called him, or 10 minutes of that was my dad, or... I was on YouTube, you know, studying for this or that. Right. So I think it's a matter of what you use it for mm-hmm. and the apps that you have downloaded. So if you're like sitting there or playing like, you know, Candy Crush for three hours of the day, that's not a good screen time in a sense. But if you're like on the messages, you know, you're contacting so-and-so and doing this, aligning deals or making money or something like that. I think there can be a positive outlook on the screen time compared to just, you know, like, you know, three hours of Netflix here or snapchat and this and that but regarding the social media and why i think i grabbed the phone so much it's just the instant gratification of being able to communicate with somebody at the the snap of a finger like somebody could snap me in china and send me a picture of what they're doing there and then i'm all the way you know in anne arundel county and i open that picture immediately it's so much just like 
mind-blowing and I think it's overlooked in the sense of because of how desensitized it is to our generation because of how much social media and communication there actually is so let me ask you and this is you can shoot it to me any way you want to how much screen time do you actually spend would you say is positive over toxic I would uh, I'm not sure I think I last checked my screen time it was uh five hours and 30 minutes and I think majority of it is a little bit of toxic screen time in the sense because I'm not actually you know in the sense of when I go on YouTube, it's like it transfers to another screen time. Like just because you're on your phone for five hours of the day, I could be playing Xbox for two hours or I could be on the computer for another two hours or something like that. So you can't just live by the phone screen time, I feel like, because there's other like screens. Like, like if you weren't doing that, you would be doing. Yeah, ex- exactly. In the sense of like, like you were saying, yeah. OK, I put the phone down. But then I go watch a movie for two hours. That's yeah. still screen time in the way regardless. But in the sense of how much is actually I'm using for it, I don't, I would even say like maybe a fourth just because of like studying or like even like going on the Bible app, you know, you're looking through that and stuff like that. I think it just depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Well, sometimes, sense. and that's one of my points is a lot of times when – I know for me, I'll put my head on the, the guillotine here because I don't care. I'll call myself out. Uh, a lot of my screen time, like I started uh, the writing raw thing and I would get so many loves and likes and follows and the DMs and it was it was instant gratification to me. But a reason that I was doing it so much is because I had such huge insecurities, especially at the time. But I didn't know that I was doing this thing just so I didn't have to look at my insecurities. And to an extent, I would write about it and I would talk about it, but I wasn't doing any work about it. So it's, I was just constantly in this drove of uh, toxic screen time, like you're saying. Yeah. Just so I didn't have to look at my insecurities. Think about this. Now that you and I, Cobes, are in the place that we're in, you know, there's a lot of peace. How much time do you spend on social media now compared to a year ago, if you will? I think it's different. I think most of the time that I spend on social media now is just creating content. For Boom. The weightlifting things that I do or photography things that I do or my car building or something like that. But as far as just consuming the the social media, it's less of that. It's more so than me producing something yeah. through social media. Giving back. Right. Now I want to rewind. Let's go back to when we were talking. So we're not on... The phone side of it. So we know our outlet, which is this phone right here, and it's causing a lot of these things. Let's talk about that insecurity side of it. I want to know from your 20 long year perspective when it comes to uh, having problems in life, depression, when you were saying, you know, females are able to talk about this stuff a lot more than what males were allowed to, if you will. Why weren't you allowed to talk about your feelings? I didn't think that I wasn't allowed to. I think it was just a little bit frowned upon. And it's kind of ironic in the sense of like when I actually opened up about it, it was almost like I had a table of boys around me. I remember it exactly. I was at a party and I was like, hey, like I've going through some things and like, I'm, you know, I'm having these thoughts and I'm and I'm in such denial. Like, are these things normal? And in the sense of it, it was just like this warmth and this hug from the this group of people like my my core group of friends now, like, tell me, like, 
yeah, that's normal. And they were like, yeah, my dad gets on me for my grades or yeah, this and this and this. And it just felt like I was just like welcomed into this in the sense of like there was light in the insecurity and light in the depression era that I was going through. But why I think it's frowned upon, I just don't think that my generation, uh, the men wise, know how to talk to somebody about it. Like nobody wants to tell their parents that they're struggling or going through some things like that because, you know, it's like, oh, you get the grades, you know, you're doing the sports, you're doing this and that, go to college, boom, whatever, whatever happens after that. There's no hiccups or bumps in the road. But when there is, it's like, I don't know if they don't want that, uh, that kind of like chip on their shoulder or they're tarnished into their journey in life. But I think in the sense, the greatest thing I ever did was talk about it instead of just storing it up. Because mm-hmm. when I stored it up like that, it would just come out in spurts. Like I'd I would store it up all day at school, then I'd come home and I'd just unleash on the people I love the most. And it kind of just, I never realized that until now that all they were trying to do, like my dad and my stepmom and, you know, even my brother or sister and mom, all they were trying to do was help me. And it just seemed like all they were trying to do was hurt me at the time in the sense of the, and I would always be told, you know, it will get better with time. It will get better with time. I was like, what does that even mean? Like, why don't I feel better now? But it gets better with time is the greatest thing I ever heard. Cause now I just think about the thoughts and everything I went through, you know, however long that was. And I just so grateful to be where I am now. Mm. So grateful with time side of it. That's a, that's an awesome thought. So initially I go, I'm starting to go through the divorce and I mean, I am low, like bad in a really bad way. And I remember I I saw the stats and it said stats. I'm very like, kind of data-driven to an extent. Well, now I am. Yeah. But it said, uh, however long your marriage was, it was going to take half that time to actually process. You ever heard anything about like that? So I think you're, you're data-driven because it validates mm-hmm. what you're feeling or going through. Yeah, that makes sense. So at the time, it's like, let's say a 10-year marriage, the, the general rule of thumb is it would take half the time, so five years in order to get over this, this thing. The problem was, uh, in life today, all of our fixes, quote unquote, are instantaneous. Uh, I think all of us have like, it's, it's the fast food world. If you're hungry, you can just go through a drive through lane. Yeah. And I think that the reason that the, like the suicide numbers, depression, anxiety, um, it's so easy to get a fast fix right now. I was able, when I was in a really bad way, instead of talking about my feelings, I went to the doctor and said, hey, I can't sleep and I'm having panic attacks. Here's some pills. Here's some pills. Take these pills. And I took those pills for like six months whenever I had a panic attack instead of having an honest conversation with myself. But I don't think even um, our generation, and we're in our upper 30s, we weren't, we're in a world today where it's like things are just easy. It's fast, it's easy, and it's quick. So if you're to say it's going to take time, well, how much time? And that's why I started writing as feverishly as I did because I was like, okay, they said it's going to take me seven years to overcome this horrible thing that happened to me. No, I'm going to do it in one winter. So I wrote so much. I stacked it five feet high. That's like I locked myself away. It's like I'm going to figure out this problem. Mm-hmm. Because I thought the fix was within my control in this X amount of time. Whereas actually it's out of your control. Right? And it just it took a lot longer. But just like you, it's like I'm so happy that I was able to, and it's like, Cobra always says it all the time, like, I'm proud of myself for uh, for holding out. So I think 
two things that I took from what he just said. He had a table like we talk about our mm-hmm. table, like we can communicate openly about whatever and the, the vulnerable side of things. And two, you guys are both parents. Like you would probably want to know from your kid if they're struggling. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important to say too. Yeah, I think in that sense, like, and what you're saying about stats and stuff like that, um, in the sense, like, it's a small, like, relatable thing. It's like, if I wear my watch and it says I got six hours of sleep, I'm going to feel like I got six hours of sleep. But if I take that watch off, you know, and I got, you know, five hours of sleep, and I maybe feel a little bit more energized, but I don't have the stats to look at it, mm-hmm. I just think it in the sense of, like, I'm never going to let, like, someone else or something dictate the way I feel about that in that sense. But Good for you. In the struggling side of things about uh, stuff like that, like, of course, like, if you ask your kid if they're doing okay, they're going to tell you they're okay. But then, you know, just pull them aside. Be like, how are things actually going? Or even then, maybe do a little bit of FBI work and ask around, or, you know, pull their friends aside and be like, hey, how is he actually doing? And maybe they'd be a little bit afraid because they seem like they're throwing, you know, little Johnny under the bus or something like that. But at the same time, that's the greatest thing that you could ever do is actually fully check up on somebody because you can grace over the subject like you have acquaintances and stuff like that like hey how are you doing uh i'm doing well like and the people that i talk to it's like whenever they ask me like how are you doing mentally physically and spiritually like how are you doing in those three categories compared to you know just oh how's your day good like what does good mean that could mean anything like in that sense for sure when you're when you're feeling like that though um if you're feeling heavy like how how can a person actually like break that barrier to get you to open up? You know what I mean? Because because I, I feel what you're saying exactly. You know, like if somebody says like you know how you doing, your natural reaction is to say good. You know, when you're actually good, of course that's your natural reaction. Yep. But even when you're bad, you don't want to kind of get out. You know how you're actually feeling if you're in that space. So you say I'm good. Mm. But like you're saying, like it's very important to be able to speak to your parents or you know your loved ones about that stuff. And so when they come to you and they're just like, hey, how are you doing? And you say good. They know you're not doing good. How do they break through without you getting like pissed off basically and just like, you know what I mean? Shutting down. Yeah. In that sense, like I could, it's hard to tell because sometimes like when people are maybe going through something like that, they have a guard up immediately. Like, like you said, like if I have a guard up immediately, someone asks me how I'm doing good. Good. Get get away from me. Like, why are you asking me that? But to dive deeper and honestly, just kind of just like pick at it pick at it slowly just ask them how they're doing not to annoy them because if you over over frustrate them or over fluster them they're just gonna blow up in your face and like be away from you in that sense but you just need to pluck at it just a little bit hey how are you doing how is school but if you overwhelm them like hey how is school how is your friends how's your girl how's sports how's this why is your room dirty why is the bathroom dirty instead of just looking at all those things as a negative Look at it as in, in a sense as it's a learning moment to understand what's going on in the sense of like... Do you think there's an approach that they can take as far as like a softness, more bold, more uh, meek in a way? Mm-hmm. Um, could they? Should they take you outside? Should they sit you down? Should they play video games with you? Should you go outside, throw the ball while you... You know what I mean? You know, you know what I'm saying? I think in that sense, it depends like with what their parents may do or something like that. Because I'll never forget like when I was opening up about it, what I was going through. Yeah. Uh, my dad actually was like, 
hey, I actually went through some of those things too. And right. it absolutely flabbergasted me. I was like, no way. Like, that makes no sense that yeah. you went through the exact same thing that I went through and you're still here. And right, right, right. the greatest thing that I ever heard too is you have survived 100% of your bad days in that sense of like, you're like, maybe yesterday was bad. Whatever, you're yeah, still here. You're still here. Like, the sun so is going to come up and go down no matter what you're doing throughout the day. Yeah. So it's just a matter of what you do in those 24 hours, I feel like. But 100%. 100%. So you, you would think that uh, somebody coming to you being vulnerable would kind of help you to take a little bit of weight off of you and, and kind of open up. Absolutely. Yeah. Vulnerability. Uh, showing vulnerability to somebody who's trying to show vulnerability. Yeah. It's almost like it's like a lock. Like, you're like... Yeah. Wow, you're letting your guard down, so maybe I can Y'all let see my guard eye down. Now. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You're seeing eye to eye with right. that person in the sense of like, oh, you let your guard down. Okay, maybe I can let my guard down too. You know, because mm. and then like when you're around, like you know, you're at school. You know, like you're in front of like, for example, like maybe like the bully at recess. You know, like trying to be big and bad in front of the, all these girls. That's probably the person that's going through the most things. Absolutely, because they're <laughs> Absolutely. trying to. They're trying yeah. to make up for all their insecurities by being mm-hmm. this thing that they're not. Right. To get gratification from somebody that's never going to give it to them, yeah, in yeah. a sense. But back to your question, definitely nitpicking at it slowly, showing vulnerability, and maybe just stepping out of your comfort zone and doing something maybe that your kid wants to do or mm-hmm. you've never done. Like right. you were saying, maybe play video games with them. Because I think that's a little, honestly, a taboo thing with your guys' kind of generation is like nobody's playing video games. I mean, I see the, see the PS5 over there, but I feel like that's a little... Uh, niche thing that isn't really around anymore. Yeah, no, no, that, that, that helps, man. Honestly, because I mean, we got we got boys, right? Mm-hmm. My my boys nine was was uh, great. Seven, seven, seven. Yeah. So I just think that stuff's important because as my my son is growing, and we just talked about it the other day, the amount of things that he's picking up on that I didn't know that he was picking up on, he's gonna have questions. He's gonna be dealing with things, and it's just so for me listening to you, it's just like. As a father, learning how to be relatable in those situations, because I think once people are, I guess, are relatable, then it's like it's easier to, you know, yeah. I guess vulnerability leads to being able to be able to be able to be relatable to the person. Yeah. And the vulnerability also speaks in the sense of like as a son or something like that, they see their fathers as like this superhero, this Mm -hmm. impeccable on this pedestal. But if they were to like remove that stool and sit down and be eye level with the vulnerability state as they are with their kid. The kid is like, wow, like, yeah. you know, pops is just like me. I'm just like pops in that right. sense. Right. Well, I think pops is just like me and I'm just like him. You said it probably a couple minutes ago that when he told you his story, you're like, wow, and you're still here. So he was able to be vulnerable with you, show you that side. Like I've been through hell. And I think that's one of the reasons why, this program that we've been doing has been so successful is because we're able to say, yep, we failed. We were in the dark. This is what happened to us. Mm-hmm. And people are able, especially with males, you get like, like, Hey man, this dude is talking about how he failed and how he went through these dark things in life. Instead of what I see a lot of the, the masculine programs out there where it's like, this is what you have to do because this is where you're at. It's like, no man, can we relate at some point? Right. Who are you? And I think that's a big thing with dudes is who are you to tell me I have to do these things? What's your street cred? What's your what's yeah. your resume? A lot of it is what have you been through? Because right. the crap that I'm feeling right now, this hurts pretty bad. So who are, have you ever felt this bad? Don't don't tell me what to do if you've never right. been in like a place like this. 
so then you get vulnerable, you relate to them, and then they gonna understand how you've been to yep. that place. And then like what you just said about your father, you, you looked at him and was like, wow, like you're still here, you made it, you know? Yeah. And so now you now it begs the question for him, it's like, well, now I need to ask him how he did it. Mm -hmm. How did he get to this place? You yep. know, he obviously has been to where I'm at right now at my low, but he's, he's made it out. Now you're asking dad, like, okay, how'd you do that? Mm. You know? Yeah, and what you were saying earlier with like posting the, or actually both of you guys going talking about the reels, like those short clips of vulnerability may just be that knocking of that shining armor of somebody for them to be vulnerable to maybe their loved ones or reach out to you guys in that sense. But I think just a small spurt of even just you guys being vulnerable on those reels, even if they are 30 seconds or less, could be the biggest like building factor for somebody to be vulnerable in the sense of like talking to their loved ones, their wives, their kids, their boss, whoever it may be. I think that what what you guys have going on is something very good. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Before Pops. <laughs> oh, I got a new nickname for you, Pops. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, Dave. <laughs> so sure thing, Pops. Before yeah, he told you about his stories in the past and you were able to like to relate. Why couldn't you tell him? Why couldn't you be vulnerable with him? Why I couldn't think I'd be vulnerable is because, honestly, the driving factor was, like, you know, I personally, like, nobody wants, well, at least for me, nobody wants to tell their parents they're, like, feeling this way. And I was in such denial of what I was going through because it's like, how is this even possible? You know, I got, you know, like I said earlier, popular kid, you know, I, I play sports, you know, everybody likes me. Like, I got all these things going. Never had to worry about a meal. I got I got the room, everything. I was like, how is this even happening in that sense? But I also felt like I came into a sense of comfortability in of what I was going through. Like, you know, like, oh, it doesn't matter. Because, you know, like, it just doesn't matter in the sense. It just it was like a reoccurring. But why I think I was afraid or just not willing to is just, like I said, I, nobody wants to tell their parents that they're going through that in that sense. Because it's like, I was a little scared. Like, I didn't know what their reaction would be like in that sense. What were you scared about? I don't know. That's the only thing I wasn't scared about. I mean, I don't know why I was scared. I don't know. Do you think it had anything to do with, uh, like, you disappointing him? Letting him down? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, That's what I would think. Uh, letting them down in the sense of, you know, like, oh, this would hinder my school. That was a huge thing. Grades were a huge thing. Oh, that would hinder my baseball. You know, that was a massive factor in our life and stuff like that and just not wanting to hinder the things that we worked for as a father-son duo in the sense of that mm -hmm. that makes sense but so not to put matt on blast but like grades uh so it's like the numbers i think numbers is a very big detrimental thing to males today i think um one of the biggest, it's, it's you can see it on social, there's always these studies coming out still to this day, brand new studies from all over the world where guys are so transfixed on uh, how big is my dick, you know? It's still like a running thing for some reason. There's this stigma. It's a number thing. It's like six inches or, and a lot of it is in the world because guys talk about, you know, all chicks want is they want six figures, six inches, six foot tall, that type of stuff too. Mm -hmm. um, how much we deadlift in the gym, even down to like grades. So this precedent that was set at the house was good grades, uh, 
being at X amount of practices, being at X amount of games. So it's like these expectations, I think, that we set as parents in order to look successful. So I'll speak on this since we're talking about me. (laughs) (laughs) If that's okay with you guys. Pops. Yeah. Um, So you always want your kids to have good grades and they always had good grades. They always made honor roll every, every quarter, every year. And it really wasn't a push because they, they did it themselves. Mm -hmm. And then if there was like as much baseball as they played, they played travel, they played Legion, they played high school. If you wanted to go further with that in college, you need certain things. Yep. And that, that's where one of them is now. So it really wasn't a push to like, this is what you will do. But when senior year hit, like grades went down, he wasn't getting playing time because of, I think they probably picked up on mental. Some of the things that was going mm-hmm. on with him, probably like, oh, he doesn't care. It's his senior year. And I think people wrote some of it off for senior-itis. Um, but it wasn't normal. So trying to interject and bring those things back, like, I don't, I just wanted him to graduate high school. Yeah. That, that's where it got to. Because mm. he was on the cusp of not. From the top to the bottom. Yeah. Chance, did you ever feel like, um, okay, let me, let me build this out. Knowing what I know now, not saying it's right or wrong, but this is my belief, is I believe that we should continuously grow through life by establishing trust with the people around us. So growing and growth is an ongoing thing till the day we die, okay? Did it ever feel like you couldn't open up about what you were feeling because growth wasn't being established with you, like trust wasn't being established with you. Does that make sense? Yeah, in the sense of like uh, the growth side of things, uh, it was like going through all those things, it was like, okay, you know, I had in my life, it was like, oh, I had just gotten some major trouble with my parents and then I had just had like my first heartbreak or whatever like that. And I just had this like mindset, like I'm going to go in a senior year, just like, skate not skate by but enjoy my senior year i got four classes i'm not staying at school all day you know it should be a breeze and then i get in there and then it's just like i start failing math and then i start having these uh like thoughts and all this stuff like that and then i started failing another class and then another class and then i got grounded and it was just like this crazy domino effect so there was no growth anywhere except in the wrong direction and it was just more of like a I don't care attitude because I at the time I like I didn't care and like he was highlighting on the fact of my not caringness definitely transferred into my energy at like practice you know or something like that had uh, an underclassman below me start over me and it was just like I don't care like failing at school I don't care and none of the really failing in school really hit me until I was in math class they the guidance counselor called me up and was like hey. Uh, you keep going this way, you're not going to graduate. I was like, holy shit, like, this is real. Like, my everything that my parents have been telling me and instilling with me, it just, like, blew up in my face. 
So I don't think I opened up in the sense because I didn't want to have an excuse for the non-growth. I kind of just wanted to figure it out for myself, but I couldn't at the time and I didn't know that. And I just kept storing it up and storing it up and storing it up. Hmm. You said earlier that uh, you were able to finally, like all the stuff that you had been storing up, you finally let it all loose to the table of like close friends around you, yeah. right? You call it your table of boys. When was that the first time that you opened up about like the stuff that you were feeling? Yeah, and uh, it's just because like uh, I was talking to my dad earlier this about today and how I was asking uh, my friends around me if they knew what I was going through. When I was going through that stuff, I just felt like nobody deserved to be like shit on or uh, me be mean or just not the same person. I just didn't feel like what I was going through had to affect them at the time. And like I was saying, I would just store it up all at school. Like, you know, I was still the happy guy, class clown, cracking a joke, you know, nice, hold the door, whatever it may be. And then I would get home and kind of just let loose. I was just like insane, but... It was just a lot to go through and a lot to process. And I really didn't understand like how to even uh, go through it at the time. Mm. Well, that's uh, so your your boys reaching out to you and having that. Uh, I don't know. Did they relate at all as well? Yeah, that's and that's what I was saying. Like uh, when I did open up to them, they they related. Yeah. And I was like, it was like it was like. Each uh, sense they said it was like a thousand pounds going off my shoulders. I was like, "Holy crap! You guys have been through this too. I'm not. I'm not going insane." And it was only a few of them, and I remember just the conversation exactly, and just they were like, "Yeah, man. Like you know, like you know, my dad's on me for this, or you know, I've felt some way about that before." And it kind of just gave me a sense of comfortability that I wasn't the only one going through something like that. That's awesome, and I think that's where a lot of people get lost. Mm-hmm. I know that's where I was. Where I was like, nobody else has ever felt this pain before. And how arrogant of me to think that. But at yeah. the time, I was like, nobody else ever felt something this bad. Nobody could ever feel as deep as I feel. It's like, no, nah, man, there's a lot of people going through it. And that's the cool thing is the same thing you're talking about. That's where we were as well. So I'm proud of you, like, having the ability and the table and to, like, to say, like, man, I feel this way. That's like, that's, that's a leader stuff right there. Mm-hmm. Especially at 20. Yep. So my question to you <laughs> is... What if somebody doesn't have those friends or they don't have a table, if you will, to like talk through it? What would you recommend to the 17 year old you to do? This is your generation speak. So, um, honestly, it's pretty hard. That's a hard answer. I mean, a hard question to answer because, in the sense of like, if they don't have somebody to talk to, then the next the next step up to something like that is going to speak to a professional. But it's very hard. I think that if you don't have somebody to talk to, like your parents or your friends, uh, I think through the school or whatever schooling it may be or uh, online, like we have every single thing at our fingertips through like Safari, Google, whatever. I think the next step would be just, you know, researching somewhere that or an online like therapist or somebody you could talk to or going through your school to see and talk to somebody through like that. But on the flip side, like going through school and talking to those people, I feel like that people won't go do that because it brings this array of attention to what they're going through that they do not want at all mm-hmm. compared to maybe like me opening up to my friends, you know, that's kept between me and my friends. 
if you went to the therapist at school or a counselor or a trusted teacher, you know, who knows where that information is being spread? Maybe to the other teacher. Maybe they look at you differently or in that sense. But I definitely think that you should uh, do some research and look on some certain things where you are going through, like what you are going through and someone that you could talk to. But um, it's like looking up, like, you know, you, you stubbed your toe. It's like, oh, we got to cut it off. I think that's where you should also be cautious. Like if you look up some of the symptoms you're going through, there's going to be some crazy things that come up. So I think you need to be a little bit of weary of like what you're going through and break it down. Yeah. And for the people listening and they're hearing what chance is saying, uh, I was there as well where I didn't want to open up because what it boils down to is I didn't want to be looked at differently. Knowing what I know now is I don't care how anybody views me. You call it for what it is. Hey, I'm going through this thing and I feel this way. And that's that for, for anybody out there listening, if you have kids or a loved one, um, know that, man, it may take some time, but like it doesn't, you do matter. It's going to take some time, uh, but it doesn't matter what people think of you, their perception. We all go through things in life. All of us. We all have stories, crazy stories. It's actually something, uh, Cam Cam and I, we recorded yesterday and it's something that I want to evolve in the podcast. We're talking about our stories, how we went through things. That way we can make it more relatable to the crowd of, you could raise your hand and say like, yeah, Dave right here, Dave went through some crap. Dave was suicidal. That's how bad, like I can attest to as far down as I went to. And I'm not scared to like, to, to talk about it. Copes? No, I feel well, honestly, what I wanted to say, I just didn't know when to, when to interject it, but it was just a thought that I had. Um, there's like three generations here. There's, mm-hmm. You know, there's Matt, then there's us, then there's, you know, his son. And what I realized is what he said in the very, very beginning is the exact same thing in all three generations. So I'm starting to learn now that it's not necessarily a generational thing. It's just that's what it is in society. Men don't like to talk about their feelings because they feel like they can't, you know what I mean? And in Matt's generation, um, even, you know, my dad and, you know, hearing, you know, the way his dad was brought up and things like that, it's always been the same thing. It's always been this, this stigma that if you were to talk like this, then you're essentially weak. Right? Yeah. Then you're weak. And my dad's generation, our generation, yeah. and now his generation, yeah. my son's generation, you know? So it seems like it's maybe, maybe our kids, Maybe, maybe it'll break in, in that generation. Maybe that cycle will break. But I'm just noticing now through listening to him, it's like, wow, like their generation is a lot like ours. You know, even though we we say that, you know, their generation is different, it has a lot of differences, but the males in his generation are no different than the males in our generation or even Matt's generation. No, as far for sure. as like mentally, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and so. I think uh, speaking on generationally and generation things, there's like a broad spec- spectrum, I think, in like every single generation that is here. Because it's like uh, I had a blue collar job and when I was working, every time we finished a job, it'd be like the homeowner would be like, oh, my God, son, I'm, you know, thank you so much. You know, nobody in your generation wants to work. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, I can name 10, 15 guys that can work just as hard as me and double the work. But and they're in my generation. I think in the sense of my generation gets looked at too much as a whole and not individually and cut in half in the sense of males, females, blue collar, whatever it may be. I think that there's just there definitely is a stigma on my generation. Yeah. For sure. I think I think your generation is hard because it gets highlighted a lot because 
of the information that's out there and how easy it is to get the information. So we see a lot of yeah. y'all being crazy. You know, we see yeah. a lot of it. Whereas with, uh, I mean, you can see a little bit with our generation, but like my dad's generation, Matt, your generation, you couldn't see it. You know, the no. world wasn't as big back then as it is now. You know, like you said, like you can see something in another country right now yeah. like that. Whereas for us, you had to wait for a magazine to come out or, you know what I mean? Yeah, like so. I can I can look up anything on my phone. Like right. I can get the directions to anywhere. I don't yeah. got to pull up no map and highlight it. Like <laughs> You uh, didn't work for it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have to do any of that. I d- yeah. Like it's crazy. Like how much information I could, uh, like I could pull up like, you know, like real live cam footages of like the Israel Gaza thing. Like he was just talking about yeah. it. Like that is some crazy just negative knowledge that, you know, you don't think that you should be getting access to, but you are. Like if yeah. you just scroll on Twitter or whatever, there's like gory videos, you know, oh, this guy getting chopped up with a machete or mm-hmm. this guy getting ran over or whatever. It's like, what is like you're watching And it's watching so that. easily yeah. accessible. And that's the dangerous things because um, back when, you know, when I was a kid, I have to wait for like the news or newspaper, but mm-hmm. my parents would be like right there so they could they could explain what I just saw. Whereas for you, you can be in your room, you can be at school, you can be out with your boys and you see this thing. And if you are young, you don't have anybody there to explain it to you except for other kids that are in your same. And then you can read the comments about what's going yeah. on. And so now you're getting the perspective before you even get back to your parents. You know, yeah. Right. So. And you looked at the local news and yeah. it wasn't left leaning, right leaning. Mm-hmm. It was just the this news. Is what it is. <laughs> and is now funny. there's so many different news organizations that can make you think a certain way. Right by what they put out and you go, Oh, well that's must be how it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when like negative events, that's what sells. So that's what they pump out. You'll never find a news station about brand new puppies being delivered or what, you know what I mean? It's like, no, the rabid dog running through the neighborhood just chewing on everybody's arms type of deal. Right. 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 But as far as going back to your point, chance, um, or no, it was really Cobra's when you said every generation it's like the man feels like he cannot, talk about his feelings i think it's built into us through society that we have to be leaders at all times individual leaders and we've had conversations about this in the past how everybody wants it's like the god syndrome Mm -hmm. right everybody wants to be the number one the hottest thing blah 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 so if you were to raise your hand and say i need help it's like you move down that pedestal Mm -hmm. and realistically uh, it takes even even today you know, upper thirties, I finally have silenced my ego enough to the point where I know it's, I need a table of guys to get through life. It takes a village. Yeah. You're never going to be able to do everything on your own. You're going to need something. And that's okay to say that. Yeah. Yeah. And regarding that, even like a small example is like you're in math class, you know, there's 30 students in there. Everybody else gets the answer right. You don't you don't want to put your hand up and say, I need help with this right. problem because mm-hmm. everybody's going to give you that bad look or somebody's going to look at you and be like, Oh, like, you know, he's not as uh, smart as I am. So I yeah. think it is just like, I think it's a matter of who you surround yourself with. And a hundred percent of the time, like I hear it all the time with him. It's like, you show me your friends and I'll show you your future yeah. in the mm-hmm. sense of like, if you don't have those guys that are, that are around you to talk to and everything like that, find some, like yeah. if you're tired of being the bigger man, means you're hanging out with little people like you need a like in the sense like it just goes on and on and on like Mm. iron sharpens iron like you can just continue to go on about it but i think at a certain age like if you don't have those people that are around you that are doing better than you or trying to get you to do better 
life will smack you in the mouth like no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It will. But in that example that you just used, as far as like the math class goes, it's it's one hundred percent scary to raise your hand and say I don't know. Yeah. But the sooner you start doing that, the sooner you can find your group because there'll be maybe two or three people in that thirty person class that'll say, "Oh, he's struggling. Let me find him at the class yeah. and give him some help." Yeah. Now you got two strong people on your team, mm-hmm. or they but, didn't want to admit to shit either. Or like that's, you know what that's I mean? true like, too. But as far as like, because what we discovered now is just the fact that how important it is to have that table. To have that, you know, that, that group of group of guys or group of friends that you have that you can trust, but you're only going to find that when you when you start being a little bit a little bit vulnerable. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm. Um, because you can you can have a group of friends right now that's ten people deep, but if you're afraid to be vulnerable, you don't know who you can trust. Right? Yeah. And so how how stable is your is your group really? Well, I mean, yeah. I learned that one the hard way. Right. Because going through the thing and. And I was like, man, I need help. And I thought it was some of my closest boys. Mm-hmm. They were like, sorry, man, can't help you with that. And it's yeah. like, you may be in a place in life that you can't, but I was like, I know you're not going through something because we're pretty transparent. And I'm raising my hand and saying like, hey, man, like I need help. Like, sorry, dude. Yeah, I was here for the good times. Man. I was here for the good times. <laughs> so real quick, I just started people at my quote unquote table. Yeah. Execution time. Cut so many ties just like that. Just like. And now it's down to like just eight ride and die nasty SOBs, you know. Yeah. But that's it's vital. Yep. It's absolutely vital. It is. And I, I think the only way you can do that is to put them in the fire, mm-hmm. essentially, and see who, you know, see who stands there with you. Yeah, I you feel know? super heavy on that because like nowadays it's like you're getting older, like, uh, well, especially for me, it's like we're starting our lives. They're, like, And I think there there is no structure to hold these people in place. There is no high school there is no sports teams like all these people are on their own and uh, like for me personally like i've started to categorize my friends like i have people that i would call my brothers people that i would call friends acquaintances and then people that know me so i think it's all on the sense of like I, it's all a scale of vulnerability basically who can i go to to talk about this who can i start to talk to about this who will look at me differently if i show vulnerability and i think it just goes down the list of how much vulnerability someone is willing to show you and how much you are willing to show them. Mm. And once you have that team, you can pretty much you can yep. conquer anything. Yeah. You can take over the world. Yeah. Or at least your own world, your own destiny. The only thing we have in life is time. Yeah. So I do have another question for you. <laughs> so the You Matter box, I took it home, the, the sample that you gave me, and... You guys took a look at it for not to put you on the hot seat, but I'd rather hear your perspective. If somebody didn't have that table or your people could be vulnerable with, do you think you could give that to somebody and they could get help with it? Uh, yeah, I think so. 100%. Because even with like, if somebody doesn't have that table of brothers or something like that, if you give them that you matter box, say like, Somebody goes to a therapist. There's like 30 other people that are talking to a therapist. When you get that You Matter box, it's you in the box. And there's so many things in there that allow you to just express yourself and be by yourself or be vulnerable at the same time. So I 100% think that pushing that box and giving that to somebody would allow them to be vulnerable because I think that one-on-one experience with the items and the things that come within the box will allow them to express vulnerability and you know be even like vulnerable to get help and stuff like that. Awesome. That's good feedback. 
You uh, did you scan any of the uh, the QR codes or anything inside? I of it? was not able to scan any of the QR codes. Okay, no, that's fine because everything's working now. Box is live. Yeah, when we brought it home, I think it was two weeks before everything went live. Yeah, it was that sample box. Okay, so nice. I just wanted to see, give it to them, kind of look at it, and you know they were like, "Oh, we can fuck with this, whatever yeah. that means." And Gen Z language, <laughs> but that's what was said to me. So yeah. I figured I would ask the question uh, no doubt. from him. No, but now that okay, so the coaching program that Cobes and I are finishing up now, um, it's all the same time type of talk that we're having with you right now. It's just yeah. us to the camera, if you will, just like uh, how to be vulnerable and like this is where we're at. Uh, on a personal question, now that you're sitting here in front of us. Who's the better looking guy? You're in my house. It's a little, like it's a little zesty question to You're ask. I may have house. to plead the fifth here. I'm not going to lie to you. He didn't okay. ask who's the sexiest. I, I know. I hate that word. I hate that word. <laughs> we didn't use it enough this this podcast. We didn't use it enough. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I have an answer for that one. Yeah, that's fine. Um, and earlier you said iron sharp, sharpens iron. I totally, completely agree with that. In the event your dad doesn't understand what that means... Uh, stones sharpen stones okay just as long as you know yeah thank you for clarifying that one for him yep. we had blacksmiths back then so I get it <laughs> yep <laughs> alright cool everybody I appreciate you Chance I appreciate you and your time no Matt problem. as always Cobes as always and I hope everybody has an awesome day